back to just me and you. Yeah, back and uh, ready for a new week of uh, a native plant every day. Yeah, are you are you ready to try to continue your street? You ended on a you were perfect all week until the very last quiz. I was, and um, but here's to a week of getting them all wrong. So that's <laughs> that's perfection I probably can achieve. <laughs> all right, so. I'm assuming you're going to want to ask me five questions. I'm. I was. You assumed wrong. I want you to give me give me facts because I don't. I don't have the mental bandwidth to ask five questions. Today. Well, at least not today. Yeah. We'll see how the week goes. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. This plant is an herbaceous ground cover. Okay. Um, its native range is from Maine to Virginia west to washington state and also in colorado and new mexico okay it gets four to nine inches tall Hmm. okay Uh, i'm trying to think it is a facultative to facultative upland wetland indicator status depending on the region it's facultative in the northeast um and is coniferous oh sorry facultative in the northeast mainly in coniferous deciduous or mixed forests okay sorry i misread that part i was like what was i trying to say here (laughs) didn't make much sense a coniferous herbaceous ground cover oh yeah no (laughs) it's it's mainly found like i i didn't write mainly i wrote main so i was like what mainly found in coniferous deciduous or mixed forests um I have to give you one more. All right. I'll give you one more. It's in the Cornaceae family. Those are your five. Okay. Oh, man. Herbaceous ground covers. Herbaceous ground cover in the Cornaceae family, native from Maine to Virginia, west to Washington State, also in Colorado, New Mexico. It's a facultative to facultative upland, depending on the region. Here in the northeast, it's facultative and mainly found in just coniferous deciduous or mixed forest mm-hmm. and it's four to nine inches tall yeah i'm ooh, i'm really uh flabbergasted by this, <laughs> this one i'm i'm like i don't think i'm for a uh, basis ground cover i'm originally thinking like okay well cactus pennsylvanica cactus appalachia ground covers yeah i think their actual sizes are a little bit yeah. taller than that and then wouldn't you just call them a, a grass or excuse me, a sedge yeah. and not a, yeah. a ground cover. Yeah, um, it's a f- it's it's a forb. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna go with uh, foam flower. Tiarella. Oh, that's a very good portfolio. And good I, like guess. realistically, I have no clue. All right, so Tom's guest today is uh, Tiarella cordifolia, which is foam flower. All right. What if I were to tell you that the flowers? Consist of tiny greenish yellow umbels surrounded by four showy oval petal like one inch white bracts. Um, that would have done nothing. For me, so. <laughs> Today's plant is a uh, bunchberry, Cornus canadensis. Okay. Cornus, and, and you know, the reason why I was checking my phone before we started, for some reason, I always always want to classify that plant as a woody ground cover not an herbaceous ground cover Mm -hmm. and i just wanted to double check myself beforehand to make sure it was definitely considered herbaceous and it is yeah and i'm i really don't know anything about this uh, plant other than i've heard the name before all right well let's let's learn a little bit about it all right 
You're listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Welcome to a new week of A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. I am Fran. And I'm Tom. And today's plant is Cornus canadensis, which is called bunchberry. It's also called dwarf cornell or creeping dogwood. So this is one that I know we don't have as much familiarity with. Mm -hmm. I know the plant. I've never actually encountered it in the wild personally. And I'm a little, little ashamed to say that. I feel like I should have, mm-hmm. but I haven't. Um, yeah, and I and I, I'm assuming I haven't. At least I didn't know what it was, and I didn't pull up my phone to put it in Nine Naturals to find out I what it was if, if I saw it. Listen, I so. think if you saw it, you would know it right away because mm-hmm. the flower I described is a traditional Cornish Florida flower. Okay, you know it has that flower and the leaves. Um, it's uh, conspicuously veined, oval to elliptic glossy medium to dark green leaves that are one to two inches long and if you saw them i think you would say this is a dogwood leaf mm-hmm. this is a dogwood flower so it's if you were to come across it across really i keep doing that that's my philly if you were to come across this plant you would know without a doubt that it's a dogwood okay yeah that's uh that's interesting i was gonna ask you since i hadn't seen it and i hadn't looked it up yet to paint me a picture of what the actual plant looks yeah, like. Yeah, so both the both the flowers and leaves are smaller versions of Cornish Florida, which is white dogwood, the traditional white dogwood that you would see in forests or on front yards, mm-hmm. something like that. So um, it blooms late spring uh, when you would when you would consider a, a dogwood to bloom, mm-hmm. uh, and the flowers give way to terminal clusters, berry-like droops. They're a quarter inch in diameter in August to bright. Um, like a bright red droop. So it's – it's you almost – if I didn't tell you it was a ground cover, you might be thinking I'm describing Cornish, Florida. Yeah. Too. Yes. And so the, the berries, is this um, – what do the berries look like? It's called bunch berries, so I'm assuming they're in a, a bunch. Yeah, they, they, they do come in a bunch, um, and they have a really good persistence, uh, and they'll stay on the plant until late fall unless birds do really enjoy the berries mm-hmm. so they'll stay there until it's consumed by birds but it's it's your traditional like i said berry like droop that you would think of on a dogwood okay and does it have like a fall color or it, like what tell me a little more about it it does it's it's uh like a wine red fall color and i have read that it is a deciduous ground cover but i think in in the pacific northwest it might be evergreen um I don't think they get like hard enough freezes that okay. that it will deci- uh it's as deciduous it may be like semi evergreen but it does have a wine red fall color. Interesting, interesting. And I'm assuming again since it's in the the forest you said coniferous forest and deciduous forest it's going to want it fairly shady, right? It prefers part shade. Good. So uh it, it you're going to see it more like like we said in in a forest floor. Yeah. Does it have any like cultural significance anywhere? Hmm. Well, <laughs> it's funny you should ask that. In a nationwide poll ending on Canada Day, 80% of 10,000 people picked bunchberry as the national flower of Canada. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I didn't know Canadians uh, at least, what, 10,000 or no, 80% of 10,000, which would be 8,000. 8, 8, 8, that's a kind of a weird way to write 8,000 people. I find uh, it funny that only 10,000 people voted. Yeah. Uh, as a national flower of Canada. Yeah. Interesting. But, so how does it, when if you were to plant this plant, how would it 
grow in your garden? Is there any like disease that you have to worry about or anything like that? You know, where dogwoods tend to uh, be susceptible to anthracnose, this actually has a pretty good resistance to anthracnose, but it doesn't like foot traffic, mm-hmm. um, and it can be a little difficult to establish. So it's not something you're going to use on a pathway where people are walking over it. Uh, it doesn't want to be walked through, but um, it doesn't really have very many issues that I could I could find. Actually, I couldn't even couldn't even determine the lifespan of the plant like that. I couldn't get an idea, but it does spread by creeping rhizomes. So you're actually going to rhizomally you're going to get a good mat of this if the conditions are right. Okay, interesting. And um, what what kind of wildlife value does this plant have? So um, before I before I get into that, just based on what we were talking about also, um, like that it doesn't like foot traffic, it does persist after forest, forest disturbances. Mm-hmm. So in a, a successional forest, you're going to see this in all stages of the successional forest. Like it typically is a little bit more difficult to establish, but once it's established and the areas are right, it's going to – even as the forest changes, it manages to stay um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm wondering if that's partly because it does spread by creeping rhizomes and it, it has a good root hold. The root system only goes like one to five inches deep, so mm-hmm. it's not not going deep in the ground and taking good. Um, um, it's 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 easy to eradicate if you wanted to. Gotcha. It's not going that deep yep. in the system. So, um, yeah. Now tell me about wildlife. I, I could tell you about wildlife. Instead of telling me what you want to tell me about, <laughs> tell me what I want to know. <laughs> Uh, I just I figured before we changed topics, I wanted to throw that in. Uh, so it does attract butterfly, uh, but not deer and rabbit pests, apparently. I don't know how true that is. Uh, because if you look at the very next fact that I found, it says white-tailed deer, caribou, moose, and elk all consume the foliage. So it it they will browse it, uh, but it doesn't. It's not their preferred food. So if there's other food sources, they're going to leave it alone. Generally, depending on foot traffic and things like that, they're not going to go out of their way to eat it. But if things are things are tight, all of those things will will browse this plant. Um, the berries themselves are eaten by songbirds, grouse, bears, and hares. They all like the berries. Uh, eastern chipmunks, American martins, eastern cottontails, and snowshoe hares all feed on the stems. So it has its fair fair amount of wildlife uh, attraction. Oh, very good. So um, it is insect pollinated, but can be wind pollinated as well, uh, and it it can be pollinated by large flies, bumblebees, or beetles. Is there any like thing I can make out of this that I can eat? Yeah, it's actually uh, it, there's no toxic effects reported of this plant. The fruit is edible to humans. Uh, the fruit. Uh, can be added to puddings, preserves, and sauces. Um, the abnak, like, can you help me with this one? Abnaki, I guess abnaki. Abnaki uh, used used it as an infusion of the leaves as a cathartic tea. Uh, the hoe used an infusion of the bark as a tonic. The Iroquois actually took a deco- decoction of the whole plant for coughs and fevers. All right, cool. So, yeah, there's a good amount yeah, of these. Yeah, I'm going to make myself some bunchberry pudding Yeah, if I can ever find I've some bunchberries. It's it's amazing. <laughs> you know, you hear about this and you're like, why haven't I ever seen mm-hmm. it? I would imagine that somewhere, some general store somewhere 
has bunchberry. Now pudding. I'm I'm interested because when I'm thinking of pudding, I'm thinking of the like out of the packet, add some water, milk in it. But knowing that the Canadians love this plant and the Canadians have British heritage, uh, at least modern day Canadians, um, I'm wondering if they're talking about like puddings as in desserts like British people do, and that's when they say puddings. Hmm. Not not that white or chocolate or vanilla no. or chocolate <laughs> no. pudding that comes in the jello box. It's uh it's probably like a cake is what they're referring uh, to. Yeah. All right. So now this is going to be our mission to find something made out of bunchberry. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. we have to add that. So if if you were going to put this in your garden, you know, some of the more common ground covers that we see all the time that are invasive are uh Vinca minor, which is periwinkle mm-hmm. or winter creeper. Um I'm trying to remember the botanical on on that one uh you want to miss for you is that winter creeper i don't know i don't remember <laughs> i think it is but those two are both invasive and actually banned in certain states uh and they tolerate shade this is one that gives you a nice natural ground cover it gives a, a lot of uh uh wild um Ah, oh, man, I can't even talk today. It's uh, uh, Euonymus fortenii, is that what you uh, said? Yeah, okay. it's, but it's coloratus is okay. the ground cover version. So um, it, it has a lot of wildlife value. It's very pretty when it blooms, um, and it's going to be very persistent. You just don't want to walk through it. So um, I think that that would be a great sub for either of these if you have mm-hmm. the right condition. You're yeah. not going to put it in the middle of your yard. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you have like a, a pretty shaded forest floor, yeah, no, that so that sounds like it makes a good like a good replacement for those. I agree. So. You ready for a quiz? I'm ready. All right, I give you a lot of information, so I'm going to give you a little bit more. Four of these statements are factual, and one is going to be a lie. Uh, so you're going to have to figure it out. Ready? Having a sweet taste, bunchberries were once a breakfast cereal flavor. Man, I would love to find some Bunchberry breakfast cereal, but yeah, must not have been that great. I, yeah, I'm, I was it, waiting for the next yeah, clue. Must I was, not have been that kind great. of like a right. uh, rhetorical, yeah. but I guess. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, the genus Cornus comes from the Latin word c- "cornu," meaning horn. Mm-hmm. The specific epithet of canadensis is in reference to the native habitat of this plant, which includes Canada. The common name of dwarf cornel refers to the red fruits resembling the semi-precious gemstone carnelian. And the common name of bunchberry refers to their fruit clusters because the berries are in bunches. Okay. Um, hmm. One of those is a lie. Four of them are facts. You really knew I didn't know a lot about uh, about. I don't know how I feel about so. you being on your phone. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, this. is Cornelian actually a, a gemstone? I'm gonna, I'm gonna it's, go with that. I don't that think I, I, it is a gemstone, but it's spelled Our, differently. It's Carnelian, yeah, yeah. C A R N E L A I N. So, Tom is guessing that the common name of dwarf Cornel ref, uh, refers to red fruits resembling the semi-precious gemstone Carnelian is a lie. Oh, God. it's not a bunch cereal, berry is it? cereal. Yeah, oh. I made that up. Yeah, because I was thinking. Ah, like all you these things. You knew I wasn't a, a gemstone expert. That's for sure. <laughs> well, that one turns out to be true. So I guess you know I love learning how some of the common names because there's so many common names for a lot of these plants, and that's why we always talk about going with the botanical of mm-hmm. Cornus canadensis. Oh, yeah. But it's nice to know where they originate. It, you know, I'm actually appreciating learning 
what some of the Latin means. Uh, it's it's helping me with some of my other botanical names moving forward. So, uh, but here's the the biggest question: yes. Would you put it in your yard? Yeah, totally. I actually have a great spot in the in the the lower back of my property that's wooded that actually is all hosta uh, that I would love to take out and put this plant in because we don't use that part of the the property mm-hmm. very often. So um, I think that would be be perfect. So how about you? Um, so I just looked it up because I'd never even seen it before. Yeah. So, but your description actually is exactly what it looks <laughs> like. And um, yeah, I I. There's a spot in my yard underneath these two big oak trees. It's really shady. It's even tough for the grass to grow underneath of them. Yeah. Um, and for a long time, I've been saying, oh, I'd like to put something there, some kind of ground cover that can tolerate some shade. So I don't have to run up next to the tree with a mower, and, and yeah. the grass doesn't really grow there that well anyway. What's something else I could do instead? That might be uh, the option I'm going to choose mm-hmm. if I can find it anywhere. That's, yeah. that's the next step. You know, because it, it's generally generally northern climates it mm-hmm. does go down to virginia but you have to remember like you yeah. have the blue ridge mountains going through virginia and yep. i'm wondering yep. if like to me i think of that plant more in pennsylvania than i do new jersey mm-hmm. and i'm wondering yeah. if where it's native in new jersey is the northwest corridor that would make sense um yeah. and we don't really see it around here so mm-hmm. i don't know if we get maybe too hot for this plant. Sounds like you're trying to talk me out of it. No, because I, I would love to try <laughs> well, it. I, I got to do a lot more research, but that's actually, I, I like how that looks and it would, it would make my wife happy too. That's the, <laughs> the that's important. Thing. <laughs> All right. So we started off great on this Monday. I stumped Tom twice. So we're going to see if I can continue my streak, uh, this whole week and, uh, join us again tomorrow for another, uh, native plant every day. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Hey everyone, this is Fran. And Tom. And we just wanted to give you a quick reminder to tune in every Friday to our other podcast, Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, so on Native Plants Healthy Planet, we dive into all different kinds of subjects revolving around native plants and our ecology and having a healthy planet. We have guests from uh, from colleges, from other podcasts, from different nonprofits we work with, even authors. It's a really good time. We hope you join us over there. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native.